All right. Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody today. Um, it's a great day to be here worshiping God together. And I hope uh, you're already encouraged by uh, just meeting with the Lord. And so with that in mind, I wanted to um, say before we begin our message today, um, as we've been talking about over the past uh, several weeks, not only was the Church of Jesus Christ post-East Jesus Easter Resurrection um, advancing in the uh, Roman Empire, um, spreading the gospel, but today we have the same charge, right? To the ends of the earth, we take the good news of Jesus, his life, his miracles, his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins for all humanity. And so what we um, have is um, somebody who's come back uh, from one of the mission trips that we were able to participate in. And so um, uh, Josh and Kimberly Mankin um, were able to participate in our medical mission trip to the Philippines, um, along with Chelsea and the LaBeige, who many of you know and love. And so we just want to give her an opportunity to give glory to God and um, talk a little bit about uh, what God was able to accomplish during that time. Okay? So can we give it up for the Lord and welcome Kimberly, please? Good morning, everybody. Uh, in the Philippines, we say God is good. Oh, it's good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. All right. Um, you guys, we've got to wake up. So, <laughs> including me. So, anyway, praise God. Um, thank you so much for your prayers while we're gone. Uh, they were felt and um, truly meant so much. Um, we had an amazing time. There was a team of about 85 people on the ground um, from America, India, and the Philippines. And it was just truly a collective effort uh, of God's church, um, both with every nation, um, the local church there on the ground, which was called Last Day's Harvest Min Missions, and uh, a medical outreach called Luke Ministry, just many, many people. And um, through your support and prayers, we were able to reach 1,136 patients in three days um, on the ground. And then another 500 plus, and we really couldn't count. We tried. <laughs> but people were coming and going. But um, heard the message on the celebration party day, uh, which was the fourth day that we reached out in the Commodities Islands. And so each day that we did the medical mission, people came in. They heard a very clear presentation of the gospel by um, an evangelist or pastor, and then um, they sought to go through the line, have individual prayer and counseling. Uh, it was evangelism with the God test, part of the God test, and prayer over each person, and then they went to, you know, vital signs triage in the medical uh, person of their need or dental person um, to care for them. And so all these people were invited back for the celebration party. And there was a very clear presentation of the gospel from John 3. And it was a really great reminder to me that we must be born again. So um, we know this, and sometimes the story might get repetitive once you've read it more than once in your Christian walk. But it was amazing. And so um, everyone stood up and proclaimed God. It was, it was truly amazing. These are people that come from a nominal Catholic background. They knew of Jesus with their heart, but they, excuse me, with their head, but they had not given their life personally to Jesus. So many people came to faith and responded, and the local church is now following up in discipleship with those people. And then also um, on another island called Cebu, 
uh, we were able to share, our family was able to give a gospel presentation to children, a complete service with 192 kids. So um, it was really precious because these kids were like little babies up until, um, you know, going towards teenagers' uh, ages. And so um, they were given gifts, uh, book bags to go back to school with, and they were given food and um, just lots of singing and fun and praising the Lord. And um, so it was truly a blessing, um, but the prayers were felt. Um, Everybody was safe and protected. The team was in unity, and um, God was praised. And so to him alone be glory. So thank you so much. Isn't that good news? So thank you again for your contributions. Thank you for um, your prayers. And the thing about um, missions is, is that, you know, Jesus said that you didn't call me, but I called you to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last, right? Fruit that will remain. And missiologically, there's often a discussion about um, whether or not short-term missions can be effective. Well, what we believe in is that in the midst of um, missions that we are doing long-term missions and church planting, church planting so that there can be an established community that once the gospel is ministered, that once a service is provided, there's a community there that can continue to follow up the work that was done. So it's not just a sort of a drive-by love you, you know what I mean? But it's a, a service unto further ministry that will help shape the community for years to come. And so the good news is, is that as um, Kimberly was talking about, even as that medical missions team was leaving, there's a church there that's continuing the service, continuing to minister to the people who are there on the ground and continuing to provide that type of love, support, gospel ministry and service to them. And so that's our, that's our ambition, that's our mission, that's why we do what we do, that there might be fruit and fruit that lasts. Amen? Okay, so here we go. So this is um, actually what we have going on today is um, our last part of our summer series, um, beginning our summer series, Chicago Fire, the Spirit-Led Church in the City. And if you are not looking in a printed calendar anymore, uh, I myself still use a printed calendar. Um, I have so many alerts going off on my phone that often it feels like white noise. And so I can miss appointments if I don't actually have something written down physically. Anybody like me? You just have things going off all the time, and it's sort of like, it just becomes noise. And so I actually use a written calendar. And so in my written calendar, I actually saw years ago that today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And the thing about it is, is that you might miss that. Apple or Google might not give you that alert, but the written calendar does. Okay, and the thing about Pentecost Sunday is we're celebrating the 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where basically the church had the Holy Spirit poured out on them at Pentecost and then began to, in the power of God, perform signs, wonders, miracles, preach the word of God with boldness, and see the word of God spread throughout the Roman Empire so that people from all walks of life came to the knowledge of the living God. And so, we're celebrating um, that work today. That's why we go through um, this uh, several-week series of Chicago Fire, the Spirit-led church in the city. And we're going to end it today um, by talking about Jesus in a church bringing life to the dead. 
Jesus and a church bringing life to the dead because ultimately that's what Jesus came to do. Amen? <laughs> he came to bring life to the dead. Now, when we talk about life to the dead, we're talking um, not only about those who were physically dead, but we're talking about those, as Ephesians talks about, who were like zombies, right? Anybody, w- would anybody admit that uh, over the past several years, one of your favorite shows was The Walking Dead? Okay, yeah, I see a couple hands that started to go up and then they came back down. They weren't quite sure. Okay, listen, that's fine. Listen, The Walking Dead. And that is what people are like in our community around us today, right? He said that we were in the past dead in our transgressions and sins. We were dead. Though we lived, though we had life in our bodies, though we were living normal lives, going to jobs, working jobs, though we were, um, had families, though we were paying bills and things like that, fundamentally, we were internally dead in our transgressions and sins. But when Christ came, he made us alive. He made us alive in him, right? So that through the power of the gospel, we might be able to participate in his resurrection life. Not only turning away from the sin that brought death into our lives, but then actually having the Zoe, the Greek word, the Zoe life of God, which is the animating presence of God that gives actually the oomph to the life that we're leading. Jesus, whenever he ministered in John chapter 10, he said, listen, there is a real devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. We all have felt the effects of that in ver- to various degrees throughout our lifetime, but Jesus brought the good news where he said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full, right? I'm going to take the man or the woman that was living in their transgressions and sins and in their death, and I'm going to give life to them, not just eternal life though, but life to the full in the here and now. And that's good news because that's part of the animating presence of life that helps you get out of bed in the morning, Anybody say amen to that? I mean, it's sort of like in the drudgery and the responsibility of life. Even if you have good intentions, you need the Zoe life of God to get you out of the bed in the morning and keep you going forward each and every day. And it doesn't matter how successful you are in your career. It doesn't matter how blessed, we'll say, your family life is. You still need the Zoe life of God to keep you going. And that's what Jesus reconnects you to in him by the power of his resurrection. But the challenge that we have today, and we're going to talk about this in two parts, is a modern stoicism that's crept in. A modern stoicism that's crept in, not only to our culture, but also to the church, you know what I mean, that's tried to disconnect us from the author of life, disconnect us from the one that gives that Zoe life, and produce a form of religion devoid of its power devoid of its power. And so we've had a form of religion, or even in the culture that does not acknowledge or know God, a form of moralism, right? That as people have tried to cling to, that they think gives them life, but it actually keeps them in the death that they were previously in, that Jesus is trying to bring them out of. And he's just like, what we're talking about today is the challenge of modern stoicism versus Christ's power to resurrect the dead. The problem of modern Stoicism versus Christ's power to resurrect the dead, and what we're centered on is Christ's power to resurrect the dead, okay? So let's begin today in Acts chapter 20, if you have a Bible with you. Now, what we're doing here is we're just starting by going through Paul's continued journey. This is his third missionary journey, if you're following Paul's ministry, and it's going back to many of the places where he had previously ministered, and it will ultimately lead him to Rome, where he'd be imprisoned until his 
uh, not only persecution, but his imprisonment and execution under the hand of Nero, right? So let's read in verse uh, 1 of Acts 20. It says, after the uproar had ceased, this is Paul leaving Ephesus. It said, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. After he had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. Now, I'm going to stop there because before we even talk about the problem of modern Stoicism, we need to understand that this scripture is giving us the understanding that we need much encouragement as disciples. We need much encouragement as the people of God. It doesn't matter if you started off in God with a zeal. You need encouragement to keep going. You need encouragement and strengthening to continue to persevere in the faith. And what I'm often concerned about is not people who make a one-time decision for Jesus, but it's people who after weeks or months or years get, like Jesus said, choked by the worries of this life by the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things that come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful in their lives. And without encouragement, they often fall away. They often fall away. That is my concern for the people of God today. It's not that they grew up in church or did not grow up in church, because I did not come, grow up in church, and yet I'm here today. God saved me. Amen? Yay. Okay? And I'm glad that many of you grew up in a church and are still in the church today. But there are many that we know who have crossed through the doors of church but did not make it. They're not here with us today. How many people know people like that? It is because they've somehow been disconnected from the ways of God. They've been disconnected from the life of God. Those who start strong but begin to fizzle in the end because they don't employ the ways of the Lord. And sometimes many of us get almost dulled or bored whenever we hear things that we've heard before. How many people have ever been honest like, like me before? Been like, yeah, heard that. Yeah, you know, same old message repackaged in another way. You know, this is like, you know, you know, it's almost like your favorite soft drink. They just put a new label on it and then increase the price. Listen, it's like it, 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 people feel that way in terms of the things of God sometimes. But you know what the Apostle Paul said when he was talking to the Philippian church? He said, it's no trouble for me to say the same things to you over and over and over again. And you know why? It's a safeguard for you. Because as you're going along in this life, you're going to need strengthening, just like Paul was providing for the disciples so that you could take your stand when the day of evil comes. That there are going to be all types of things buffeting your soul, buffeting your mind, buffeting your heart, and you need to be reminded of the truth so that when the day of evil comes, you could take your stand. The apostle Peter said it the same way. He said, listen, it is no trouble for me to say the same thing to you again and again and again. Why? Because I know that eventually I'm going to be taken away from you. Peter was also persecuted and crucified upside down because of his testimony of Jesus. And he said, listen, I'm telling you the same thing over and over again so that when I'm taken away, you'll always be able to remember these things. He said, I'm here with you now, but I'm going to be gone. And I want you to remember what you need to know when I'm gone. The apostle John, who was boiled in oil, they tried to get rid of him, but you can't keep a good man down. By the miraculous power of God, he was saved, even when they historically tried to boil him in oil. And eventually they just had to exile him to the island of Patmos. Why? Because they were like, I can't kill him, so we just got to get rid of him. 
And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation, right? He was like basically saying, listen, God is my protector, God's my God. And he said, listen, I'm not writing these things to you in 1 John because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. Because you do know it, and you need to be firmly established in the truth that you now have. And so when Paul's going around, he's writing to people over and over again, saying, I'm reminding you of that which needs to keep you. I'm encouraging you, strengthening you, and it never needs to get old. It never needs to get old. I thank God that I'm at the place now where like, I'm like, listen, like an old rap song, salt, 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 and pepper's here with my beard, right? It's sort of like salt and pepper is here. I've aged and I'm thankful. But 23 years ago, right, it's the same gospel that I'm standing on today as I was 23 years ago when I was first born again like Kimberly was talking about. It's the same cross that I come to. It's the same righteousness in Jesus from beginning to end that's going to keep me. That's going to keep me in him till the end of my days. And it's going to help me not only to be strengthened myself, but strengthen my brothers and sisters. And also see others come from darkness to life, from death to life, and from the power of Satan to God. Might seem like old news to me, but it's fresh and life-giving to the one who does not know. Oh my goodness, I remember not being in the church And I remember when somebody actually came to me and preached to me the good news that I could be forgiven of my sin, that I could have a fresh start, that I could have eternal life in him. You see, it was old news to people who grew up around it. But to me, I was like, where have you been all my life? It was like water to my soul. I was like, thank God I don't have to live the way, the empty way of life handed down to me by my forefathers. Thank God. It was life to my soul, and I hope you always see it that that way too. Okay, we'll continue on with the third verse. He said, he spent in Greece three months, and when the plot was made against him by the Jews, he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia, going again through the places he had ministered. Sopater, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and <coughs> excuse me, of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius, and of Derby and Timothy, and you remember Pastor Carl talking about Timothy, and, um, and the Asians, Tychicus, and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi. After the days of unleavened bread, and in the five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. Now, the, the problem with... Um, <clears throat> Just reading a passage like this is you don't understand what was going on in the culture during that time and what they were dealing with. Well, Paul was in Greece for a period of time, and that's where many of the Stoics were. How many people have heard of Stoicism before? Okay, Stoicism, and there's a modern idea of Stoicism where it's sort of like if I can just uh, deprive myself of the, uh, the uh, sensibilities or the pleasures of life, then I'll come to a greater state of internal strength or enlightenment things like that. Many of you are uh, familiar with uh, things like uh, the movement in Silicon Valley, okay, where uh, many of the founders of multinational companies right now, right, are considered modern Stoics. You know, they have their billions, I mean, that they've made. They're shaping the culture in which they live. And what they're doing is they're providing a modern Stoicism that people without God are trying to emulate. What do I mean by that? How many of you have ever heard of Wired Magazine? Wired Okay, how many of you have ever heard of Inc? 
Inc. Um, magazine, okay, if you have to read that um, for your business or things like that. Well, there was an interesting article that uh, was written recently about Jack Dorsey. Everybody know Jack Dorsey, right? Jack Dorsey, you're probably tweeting right now. Here, listen, Jack Dorsey is the founder of Twitter, okay? He's also the CEO of Square. Has anybody sent any money recently with the Square app? Okay, that's his company, okay? He's the CEO of two companies right now. But he they, talks about Jack Dorsey just said he sometimes e- doesn't eat for days. And the question that they were asking in Inc. Magazine is, why do so many founders like him torture themselves? That's the, the, from a secular point of view, they're asking, why is he acting like this, okay? And this is what the article says. It gives us a picture of what modern stoicism looks like. People who are trying to gain life in some way, some external form, but really there's death in their souls. Externally trying to provide life for themselves, but there's death in their souls. This is what the article said, okay? It says, by flooding the consciousness with gnawing unpleasantness, Pain provides a temporary relief from the burdens of self-awareness. You hear that? Researchers who investigated the phenomenon are quoted as saying, pain helps consumers create the story of a fulfilled life. The story of a fulfilled life, right? What do you do when you have it all? What do you do when you have all that the world has provi- like can, you can get out of the world and what it can provide for you? What do you do then? You still don't have life in you. You're still dead on the inside, and you know it, so you begin to relate or gravitate towards something that will help you feel fulfilled. And that's what this modern stoicism is doing. The article goes on and says, there's one more possible explanation for the extreme behavior of a strikingly high percentage of successful founders, which comes from the New York Times' Nellie Bowles. Many of these fans of extreme self-deprivation, she points out, are equally enthusiastic followers of the ancient philosophical school of Stoicism, though not Dorsey, at least not publicly, which argued that the only real treasures in life were inner virtues, like self-mastery and courage, right? Self-mastery and courage. If I could just ascribe these virtues to myself and I could feel this is who I am, then I really have life in me. But from Roman times, I'm sorry, if you're rich, I'm sorry, he goes on to say, and bored and have it all, the only thing left to strive for may be the discipline to not eat or walk barefoot in the snow. But from Roman times on up to today, Stoicism has also always been a favorite philosophy of the elite. At least in part, that may be because of its relentlessly inward focus. It calls on the individual to shape him or herself to be better, not to shape the world to be better. Stoics believe that everything in the universe is already perfect and that things that seem bad or unjust are secretly good underneath. The the philosophy is handy if you already believe that the rich are meant to be rich and the poor are meant to be poor, Bull said. Now, you could, we'll have that on the like, web. You could li- li- digest that later. But you get the point of what he's saying. Without there being real life in them, they're trying to create life on their own. They're trying to create value on their own. They're trying to create something that makes them feel alive on their own. The problem is, the scripture has already said, these people will not receive it because they're dead in their transgressions and sins. 
And it's only being reconnected to the author of life that's going to give you life. It is only being made a new creation that's going to wipe away all the guilt. Even if people are trying to do what's right, what did people have to do to get to where they are today? Has anybody ever emulated or tried to admire somebody who in the world's sight you thought made it, right? Made it. Sort of like CNBC has a whole video montage of things called made it. Anybody watched videos like that before, right? But the question is, what did people have to do to make it? What, who did they have to walk over? Who did they have to backstab? Now, the good news is in God, he elevates a man or a woman of God, promotes them by his grace, by his power, by his favor when they do things his way. But disconnected from him, what did people have to do? What did they have to lose to get where they are? What family did they lose? Hello, everybody. What types of unscrupulous means did they have to go through to get what they actually yearned for. And there was a death on the inside that though they made it, they can't escape the guilt that comes along with it. They can't escape it. Have you talked to, these are the people that I talk to on a regular basis. I remember the first building that we lived in here in the Gold Coast, down on um, uh, State Street. People who had conquered their kingdoms, conquered their kingdoms, made it. As the world knows, I remember one of our neighbors was a former hedge fund manager, a former hedge fund manager retired at like, I guess in his mid forties or something like that. But then from the, for the rest of his life, oh, and not only that, he used to brag about the Playboy Mansion, the old Playboy Mansion that was down the street on state. Anybody ever been by it? Okay. And he was like, yeah, my girlfriend was one of the first. Day. I was like, I don't care, brother. <laughs> but he spent that time of retirement onward drinking himself to death. Why? Because he had all the money in the world, but then nothing to live for. He was estranged from his family. He was estranged from his friends because he's like, I have it all monetarily. I have it all physically in terms of his environment, but there's death on the inside of me. There's death on the inside of me. And that's what the gospel comes to speak to. It's not stoicism that's going to save you. It's not you walking in the snow barefoot or starving. Yes, we believe in fasting, but unto a purpose, right? It's not fasting for the sake of giving yourself self-deprivation that's going to make you better. It's only Christ, his life, and his gospel that's going to illuminate you and give you power to live. Not only forgiveness of sins, but power to live, and that's what people need to hear. It's what you, in this community, if you've been trying to create a life for yourself that leads to life or some sort of fulfillment, it's only found in the person of Christ, the resurrected Christ. He says, that's where you'll actually find it. But there's a problem of stoicism that we're rubbing against. Now, what is it, how, how do we... How do we address that? How did Paul address that in the culture that he was dealing with? Athens and going through Macedonia, them dealing with this. He continually was confident in Christ's resurrection power, right? Though there was a problem of not only ancient but modern stoicism that we're dealing with today, he was always preaching Christ's resurrection power. That though you might be dead, you can come alive again. Though you might have been disconnected from the author of life, he can give you life. That's the good news 
right? It's good news to the people you're surrounded by in your workplace. It's good news to the people you're surrounded by in your neighborhood, in your family, in your friendship group. Let's go on. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. It said, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to take bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he, I love this, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Everybody, bear with me. Just kidding. Just kidding. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep. So don't feel, so don't feel bad. Okay? Sank into a deep sleep as Paul talks still longer. <laughs> don't feel bad. You can come back even if I've seen you go. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Feelings aren't hurt. I think it's biblical. Okay? <laughs> Said they sank into a deep sleep as Paul talks still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. That means Paul preaches, Paul's preaching killed him. <laughs> okay. He talked so long, the dude was trying to hold with him, and then he was like, Paul, I'm and he died. Okay, that's, that's not the type of testimony you want to share. Okay? Paul had an answer to that, though. He said, but Paul went down and bent over him. He bent over him and taking him in his, um, in his arms and said, hey, don't be alarmed, for his life is in him. The kid was dead, but Paul's got faith. His life's in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak. So he'd already killed one kid, brought him back upstairs, said, don't worry, he's still alive. You know, I'm going to keep talking to you. Anybody else want to drop? Got you too, you know. And so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. So meaning that he was dead. He'd already seen Jesus raise children from, like heard about Jesus raising children from the dead, right? And so he was like, listen, yeah, that's unfortunate. By the power of God, saw that kid raised from the dead, brought him back up and didn't miss a beat, but kept going and kept preaching. Isn't that good news? It encourages me as a speaker. <laughs> Somebody could drop dead. I'm like, well, in the name of Jesus, come back. <laughs> no, All right. So what we see is that Paul went and raised him from the dead. Now, why is this significant? Why is this significant? Number one, it's Pentecost Sunday. So what do we believe for here? We believe for signs, wonders, and miracles. That Jesus resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven. And Jesus, prior to leaving, John 14, said, hey, listen, anyone who believes in me will not only do the things that I've been doing, but they'll do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Anybody ever meditated on that? John 14, go and read it. It's in the Bible. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit that came at... Today we're celebrating Pentecost. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so these, this is the tradition. Talk about Christian heritage. This is the tradition that's been passed down to us, right? Talk about orthodox faith. This is the orthodox faith that's been passed down to us. 
That a preacher can preach so long that somebody dies and then they come back to life. That's good news, okay? But by analogy, it's not just the signs, wonders, and miracles that can literally heal people, deliver people, see people come back from the dead. But it's also, if you notice, this boy was at least trying. This boy was at least trying. And the word of encouragement for some of you today is that you might have fallen to your death or gotten trapped even trying. You hear me? You might have been in the place you needed to be. You might have been sitting under the teaching you might have needed to be sitting under. But something happened along the way and you got picked off and you fell out that window. You hear me? And you've been living such a condemned life that, you know, it's just a miracle that you're back in church today. But thank God for that miracle. Thank God for that miracle. You might have been that boy that fell out the window to your death and then found yourself living in all sorts of things, you know what I mean, that do not satisfy, that do not bring life, that do not give you the Zoe life of God, right? Even when you were trying and you feel ashamed because you feel like, I was in it, I was, try- I was in it to win it. I was in the mix trying to do what I needed to do to live the life that God had for me, but still yet, in the midst of the congregation, I fell asleep and died. I fell asleep and died. And is there hope for me in that place? Is there hope for me in that place? How many people know somebody before who they were trying their best, but life came? Trial came. Discouragement came. There's a man named A.W. Tozer who years ago ministered. Anybody heard of Tozer before? He said the, the, the Christian's worst enemy is discouragement. It's discouragement. That's why Paul went around strengthening the disciples. That's why in Hebrews he said, encourage one another as long as it's called today so that no one might be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You need it not just sometimes, but every day. Because even when you're trying to do what's right, you could fall out that window and die. But the good news is somebody's coming for you. The good news is somebody's coming for you with Jesus' resurrection life. And not just in the sweet by and by when we meet God in the judgment, but today God said, I can bring life to the dead. I can bring life to your soul. And when you've been depending on stoicism, he says, I could give you Zoe life, the real life of God that will resurrect you and truly cause you to live. And if you've been a man or a woman who've fallen out of that window and said, God, I'm ashamed. I don't know what to do. I don't even deserve to be in your midst anymore. The good news is, Paul said, don't worry. They still got life in them. They still got life in them. You know what? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, as long as a man or woman is living, there's hope. There's hope. Hope. You hear that? Hope. Hope that you can come to repentance. Hope that your life can be resurrected. Hope that the patterns that you found yourself in when you fell out that window can be broken. And that if you need to be made a new creation, he can make you a new man or a new woman from the inside out, forgive you, wash you clean, and then say, I'm going to put you on a new track in me. Hope. 
He said they were not at all discouraged, but they were greatly encouraged when they saw that boy alive again. They didn't say, get out of here, how dare you fall asleep when the great apostle Paul was speaking. Don't you know what a privilege it was for us to have him in our midst? What's wrong with you? They were greatly encouraged when they saw him alive again. Greatly encouraged, and they were doing whatever they could to actually see him continue on in the grace of God. And if that's your story today, you're home. I'm telling you, come back to Jesus, you are home. Come back to Jesus, you are home. He's got life for you and can resurrect your dead heart. And it won't just be about you feeling the presence of God, okay? It'll be about you knowing the truth of God. You hear me? You hear me? Because part of that stoicism, right, is this, you know, trying to live free of all material entanglements, right? But I think the opposite side of the coin is that in our emo generation, if we don't feel something, then somehow we get pushed off of the reality of the truth of God's word. You see, Paul, he, you, you better believe he had some emotions when he saw that boy drop out of the window, thinking, I just killed that boy, right? But he had to push past his emotions and say, don't worry, boy's not dead but alive. You, you hear that? You, he had to push past the emotions, being driven by the emotions, and he had to stand on the truth that God was a resurrector of the dead. He had to stand on that truth despite what everybody was feeling around him. Do you think anybody around him who was listening to him had some questions? Paul, I don't know if it's so beneficial, this preaching (laughs) that you're doing. It's, you know, if you just shorten it just a little bit, (laughs) it might help people out. But you killed somebody today, Paul. (laughs) He's like, calm down, everybody. The truth of God's word remains. He's a resurrector of the dead. I'm going to go get that boy. He's going to show you, and I'm going to keep preaching to you until daybreak. And so regardless of what you feel, God's truth remains the same, and God's truth can resurrect your life. When I got saved, uh, let, me t- let me tell you something. The very next day, I had an encounter with God, but the very next day, I didn't feel saved. Hello? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I didn't feel like I was a new creation. I knew something had happened, but I didn't feel it. I had to stay, I had to open the Bible and start standing on the fact that he declared me forgiven. That he declared me a new creation. That he declared me free from my former way of life. And by faith, not by sight, I had to start walking a new life. By faith in his word, by faith in the truth that is greater than my feelings or my emotions in the moment, I was able to walk free. And now 23 years later, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. And most days I still don't feel safe. Anybody with me? Well, thank God for that cross. I mean, I don't feel like I'm going to hell. Don't, don't feel bad for me. I'm not, I don't wake up like, dang, I'm going to hell. No, I know I'm safe. I just don't feel, I don't feel Christian. Especially in this city when I'm having to respond in godly ways, right? 
I don't feel Christian, but I'm like, I'm going to be Christian. Right? So regardless, here's the point. Regardless of where you started from today, God's got life for you. You can come back from the dead. That's the gospel. Amen? Forgiven of your sins, washed clean. And resurrection is yours as a promise. If you just repent of your sin and believe the good news. And so, Christian or not today, you can do that. Christian or not, turn to him and allow him to resurrect your life. Because that's the power of Pentecost, that's the power of the gospel, that's the power of Jesus, the living God. Amen? All right, let's worship him. And then we're going to have an opportunity for everybody to respond in Jesus' name. All right.